postpartum body odor. It is a totally natural phenomenon because your body chemistry changes after giving birth. And so sometimes that means that what worked before is no longer effective. But I am excited to say that now there is a solution for that stubborn odor. The Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is a completely natural deodorant made by a postpartum mom who went through it herself. And it works by eliminating and preventing bacterial body odor without covering up your skin's comforting smell to your baby while giving you 12 hours of odor control. And let me tell you, it actually works. Here at the house, we've all been trying it and loving it. Now, before you think, ew, you're sharing a deodorant with your husband and daughter, let me explain that this full-body deodorant comes in a convenient pump applicator that lets you apply it anywhere on your body with no bacteria traveling on the deodorant, so no ew involved. We also love that the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant has a delightful natural scent of USDA certified organic extracts that smell like a pink sugar cookie with lemon frosting. I thought this would be a little strange, but it's actually amazing. Also, the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is free from artificial fragrances and any kind of senoestrogens or herbs that can interfere with breastfeeding. Find your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant at postpartumdeodorant.com. That's postpartumdeodorant.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off through the month of May. Get your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant now at postpartumdeodorant.com and start smelling more like yourself again. I love Jenny Kane. At this very moment, I'm feeling so comfy and cozy as I'm practically getting a hug from my Jenny Kane crop cashmere cocoon cardigan. I am enjoying this sweater so much that I've been living in it all spring long. And with Mother's Day just around the corner, this is a feeling you can gift all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life by giving them the gift of Jenny Kane. Along with bringing you this episode, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed so super easy. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. Jenny Kane means luxurious cashmere sweaters, iconic accessories, elevated versions of your everyday basics, plus the most incredible home essentials. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off and support the show. Jenny Kane is known for their quintessential sweaters, with their cotton collection providing you with the perfect everyday pieces as the days get warmer. But they also have gorgeous sundresses in a variety of silhouettes for any occasion and spectacular sandals to go along with them. Find the perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring go-tos at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Get yourself and the mothers in your life the gift of Jenny Kane.
Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today I'll be talking with pelvic health physical therapist Sarah Reardon about what optimal pelvic health looks like. We'll go into the details about what to do and not to do when peeing or pooping, discuss common issues such as leakage, painful intercourse, and abdominal separation, and we'll explore proactive actions you can take during pregnancy to support your postpartum recovery. Stay tuned. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros and new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Parents and Parents-to-be. As always, thank you so much for listening and all the love you give the show. If what you hear is helpful, you know what to do. Make sure you subscribe. It is free and that way you won't miss a thing. All right. So for today's renewed episode, I'm bringing back pelvic health physical therapist Sarah Reardon, who's also known as the Vagina Whisperer. And yeah, that's such a good name. Welcome, Sarah. It's great to have you here on the show. Hi, Adriana. Thank you for having me. Yay. So there is so much I want to ask you about pelvic PT and, and pelvic health because it's something that we've all, I find that we're only drawing attention to more recently um, in terms of birth. Like I feel like it's exploding and rightfully so, but I'm sure you're like, oh, I've been doing this for so many years. So <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this? Absolutely. Um, so I am a pelvic health physical therapist, as you said, and I you went to graduate school in St. Louis at Washington University and thought, you know, I'm just going to go do sports therapy and I'm a runner and um, and you know, I had a professor at that time who did women's health, and I wasn't even really sure what that is. I think that some individuals just have a natural attraction towards certain things. Like I took women's studies and I did yoga and, you know, I just kind of had a little more of a diverse interest in my personal life. And I said, you know, I'll give this a try. So I did a clinical rotation at a hospital in Michigan and I saw my first vagina and I was like, oh, that's not that bad. <laughs> you know, and so... I, um, you mean but, other than your own, <laughs> other than my own, you're right. You know, I don't even know if at that time I had seen my, own. <laughs> but, um, what you don't just go around like mirrors to you. <laughs> right. Right. Not at that time. So, um, now maybe so, but I think that once I started working with the patients, I really felt such so drawn to staying in this field. And so my entire career as a physical therapist for 12 years has been in pelvic health. And it's really been rewarding to work with women and men. I see men as well. Um, but specifically with women who have needed help for so long and didn't know there were options. They thought that they just had to deal with urinary leakage with running or painful intercourse after childbirth or, um, you know, an abdominal separation. Um, after babies. And there really is help for that. And it's been wonderful to help them with that. And then even through my own journey um, of motherhood and, and um, pregnancy and childbirth, to have that information, I have, it's been invaluable to me. And now I really, you know, I'm on a mission to help other women know this information that I think we should all have access to. Mm -hmm. And yes, I'm so glad to be able to create a space for you to share that. Because um, I want to know so much about it. So where should we start? Like, what do people need to know about their relationship with their pelvic floor and why it's important to have PT? That's a great question. So I think the first thing is just being aware that we have one. You know, I think most of us, you know, growing up as young women, we don't talk about these things about 
um, what's normal um, pooping behaviors, what's normal to how often should we pee and um, you know, what should sex feel like? Should it be painful? Should inserting tampons be painful? There's just kind of this, um, there's like a mystical, uh, you know, cloud around like what really goes on down there. And I think that just talking about it, that, Hey, we have a pelvic floor. It's, there are muscles down there that are responsible for, um, partially responsible for bladder function and bowel function, sexual function. And I think that the other thing is kind of knowing um, that physical therapy is not just Kegels. Unfortunately, for the you know past decade, say, we've read a lot in magazines about you've got to do your Kegels. And it's really not just about strengthening a muscle. It's about you know, um, knowing how that muscle's functioning. And so as physical therapists, we specialize in muscles, and I just specialize in the muscles down there. Sometimes these muscles can be too tense. And that can actually lead to um, pelvic pain, um, discomfort with intercourse. Um, it can even contribute to constipation or overactive bladder. Um, and so there's a lot of things that it's not just about tensing the muscle, but sometimes we also have to relax the muscle. And there can be um, definitely times where the muscle is weak and Kegels would be appropriate. Um, but there are research studies that show even when Kegels are appropriate, sometimes women aren't performing them correctly if they just read about how to do them in a magazine. They may not even be doing them right, and that may actually be causing more damage to an issue. So I think that's why as physical therapists, we really encourage women to see a therapist, talk with a therapist, work with a therapist to kind of know what's normal, what's not down there, and if they're having issues to get some support. Mm -hmm. And so let's unpack a little bit of that and go back to the first things that you mentioned that we have this sort of clouded relationship with our pelvic floor and don't know what normal pooping behavior we're being. So let's normalize that. What what does normal pooping behavior? What is normal pooping behavior? That's great. And actually talking about poop is one of my favorite things because... <laughs> If you have a good poop, then you have a good day most of the time. So, um, but really what's normal for a bowel movement is to go anytime, anywhere from three times a day to three times a week. We often think, gosh, if we don't go every day, then something's wrong. And that may not be the case, but your bowel movements should be easy to pass. They should be soft. You shouldn't strain at all and, and hold your breath. I encourage women to exhale and kind of breathe as they are having bowel movements to avoid kind of really pushing out, which could lead to prolapse or um, weakness. And my number one recommendation is a squatty potty, which is just a little stool that you put underneath your feet um, when you're using the bathroom to have a bowel movement. And it elevates your knees um, so that you're more in a squatting position, which helps relax your pelvic floor. So it's, you know, just a really simple change, these little simple changes of staying hydrated, good nutrition, um, proper positioning and breathing can really help make a difference and spare women from getting, you know, weakness in their pelvic floor muscles. Mm. And you mentioned um, breathing and positioning. So tell me a little bit more about that. Sure. Um, so it's really, you know, a lot of um, some people um, will just kind of sit on the toilet upright. But if, if you actually look back at Eastern cultures or even, you know, when we, you know, go camping or we do more outdoors, we squat over the ground to evacuate, to have a bowel movement. And that's the physiologically natural position to poop. 
be in the Western world, we have toilets where we kind of sit upright and that really doesn't help the muscles relax the way that they need to, to kind of empty the tanks. So putting your feet up on a little stool, I tell people use your toddler stool, use a squatty potty, turn a garbage can sideways, but just elevating your feet so that your knees are higher than your hip level. And then I encourage them to kind of lean forward and exhale as they're trying to kind of evacuate and have a bowel movement. And you know, it's one of this kind of relates back even to birth because um, when we are often giving birth in the hospitals, sometimes they'll say, you know, hold your breath and really push, but we really shouldn't be holding our breath. We should be exhaling and breathing to allow our muscles to relax. If we hold our breath, we can actually tense our muscles, which works against us when we're trying to birth a baby or trying to have a bowel movement. So breathing is a really essential part of the whole process. Mm-hmm. And I love, like, I, I'm a fan of the Squatty Potty as well. And this is not their <laughs> p- promotion from them. But, like, they have the best, their ads with the unicorn right. pooping rainbow soft serve. Uh, <laughs> they're magical. They are magical. It is magical. <laughs> and, you know, and the thing is, is they've kind of made it accessible to have this in your bathroom, in every bathroom. They've made it fun and lighthearted. I mean, I I gave a squatty potty to my husband for his 40th birthday, you know. So um, I think it's it's just a, something that's really, a, it's such a simple change to make, but can really make a big difference. And even, you know, postpartum, um, initially postpartum for women, constipation can be a big issue. Um, it can, you know, if you've had a, any medications that can cause constipation, if you've had a cesarean birth, um, sometimes you can have constipation. So educating women around that time about proper pooping mechanics um, really can make a difference kind of in their overall recovery. Mm-hmm. And so I love all that and and, and how how intensely you said you love talking about pooping and me too because it's so <laughs> intensely connected to birthing and yeah same yes. area same muscles right same yeah. kind of sensation a little more intense but yeah um do you have any other things that people need to know about constipation relating to their pelvic floor because during pregnancy you're also might get constipated everything is a little your digestion is a little sluggish so sluggish so constipation can also be a thing not just postpartum like in general aside from making sure they understand the mechanics and and have their knees above their hips and lean forward and breathe out and all that is there anything else that they could be doing to minimize that constipation or help lessen it yeah i love your focus on poop i'm a I love it, um, Adriana. It's wonderful. So I think women, we don't talk about these little intricacies of pregnancy and, and birth, but they're so important. Um, hydration is huge. Um, we know that we always say, you know, you've got to drink a lot of water. But one of the, you know, the, the top two reasons that people typically get constipated day to day are not enough water and not enough um, kind of fiber. But if you have too much fiber and not enough water, you can actually still get constipated. So I really push the water during pregnancy. We have such a greater blood volume because we're developing a placenta and we've got a lot more blood flow. So water is huge. And, you know, if some things um, and you can try, you know, natural stool softeners. Um, Magnesium is a really popular one right now, kind of a natural supplement to help facilitate softer stools something even as simple as prunes. Um, Sometimes people take probiotics if they feel comfortable with that. So there's just a lot of kind of natural um, options to facilitate easier bowel movements. 
again, we know hemorrhoids are really common during um, pregnancy and postpartum as well. So keeping your poop really soft to prevent those hemorrhoids as well is, is important. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all, it's all linked and related. Yes. Um, so then you also mentioned, uh, what do we need to know about, you know, peeing and um, painful sex and inserting tampons in terms oh, of our, pavi- our PT? So pelvic, uh, well, well, the natural segue from pooping is into peeing. So let's go there. Yeah. So, um, um, you know, one thing I think that's really common with um, uh, urination is sometimes we're going really often. So what's normal to go to the bathroom to urinate is every two to four hours during the day. That obviously can get slightly increased during pregnancy. But if you feel like you have to go to the bathroom a lot, it could be um, that your pelvic floor muscles are related. They may not be relaxing well to help empty your bladder. Um, so really working on some relaxation techniques um, to make sure that your bladder is emptying well, you're not getting chronic urinary tract infections. And the other thing is not straining when you pee. I call it power peeing. I know as a mom, I'm always in a rush. So even the bath, my bathroom trips are like, okay, we got to get out of here. Or I have a, you know, a kid crawling on my leg as I'm going to the bathroom. So you know, I tell women to sit down, take a few deep breaths and relax and avoid straining or pushing. That habit can really lead, again, to weakness of the muscles, which can um, end in or develop into prolapse, which is when your organs kind of start, start to drop down into the vaginal, um, the vaginal canal, and you get some pressure heaviness in the vagina. So, you know, sitting down, relaxing, the bladder is like a balloon. It fills with urine and it sends a signal to the brain that says, hey, I'm getting full. I'm going to have to go soon. And then you can walk to the restroom and relax your muscles to empty. Um, but you don't have to push at all. The, the balloon kind of pushes the urine out for you. So not straining. And the other thing is that leakage is not normal. Often women leak and they, they kind of laugh about it because it can be embarrassing and we, you know, we, we want to feel comfortable with it. But it's, it's really not a normal um, habit to have to leak with running or jumping or laughing. Um, that means your pelvic muscles aren't maybe may turning on at the right time or they're not strong enough to prevent against that pressure. So working with a therapist to relearn how to use those muscles, to maybe strengthen those muscles and teach them how to turn on at the right times can help prevent with leakage over time. Hmm. And you also mentioned the opposite of having muscles that are too tight. And how can that affect both, you know, can that affect peeing? Yes. Yes. And and so, you know, I think of, when we think of muscles being too tight, it, they're often not relaxing when we need them to relax. So in the issue of bladder function, it would be, you know, you can't start your stream easily. You kind of sit down, you feel like you have to push a little bit because your muscles aren't relaxing or your stream may start and stop or you empty and then you're like, oh, I'm not sure if I emptied all the way and you feel like you have to push a little bit out. So it's like when there's some resistance to emptying, that can be when your muscles are too tense. And Oftentimes, if women aren't emptying their bladder well, it can lead to urgency. They feel like they have to go to the bathroom all the time. 20 or 30 minutes later, they're back in there. Or it can lead to actually urinary tract infections because, you know, their bladder is kind of has this urine in it that can stay really concentrated and it can lead to um, lead to an infection. So, um, yeah, there's just, again, working on relaxation um, of breathing, not straining, and then, you know, working with a therapist if they're not able to kind of regulate those habits. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you, like, what are some things that people can do to try to soften those muscles? 
So would we educate women um, in our clinics or physical therapies? A lot of, it all starts with our breath and that's for everything. That's for exercise. That's for pregnancy. That's for birth. It's recovery. So um, just teaching them how to kind of do some gentle diaphragmatic breathing. So their bellies kind of expand, their pelvic floors soften and let go to, you know, help that muscle relax. I don't think that we always realize we're tensing our muscles down there. I know if I'm really stressed out or if I'm driving in a hurry, my shoulders get really tight and I, and I kind of get some, some neck pain. It's kind of the same thing with your pelvic floor muscles. We may be holding tension down there we're not even aware of. So I really, you know, um, educate moms to just do some diaphragmatic belly breaths to help the muscles let go. I'm also a really big fan of yoga, of doing some um, deep squat stretches, child's pose, goddess pose, um, happy baby to really lengthen and relax those muscles. It's, you know, when we think about how we birth babies, typically our, our legs are up or we're in the squatting position. We just talked about pooping, you're in the squatting position because those are all positions that help facilitate relaxation of the muscles. So if they're too tense, we want to lengthen and relax them. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, I spoke to somebody before about having, finding that just right muscle, right? Not too tight, not too loose, but just right. And it was, I, I remember, I'll link it on the show notes. It was an episode about, can you exercise too much yes. <laughs> during pregnancy? Because we're finding those super tight, you know, perineums that do, can affect the length of pushing and how easily baby can come out. You're so right, Adriana, and that, um, yes, and I think that we do a lot of CrossFit and bar and a lot of, we think about keep your, you know, your pelvic floor tight and hold your abs in, and all of that tension really can, like you said, lead to those tense perineal muscles where women can't relax during birth. They're not sure how to relax their muscles. They're not sure how to push out properly, and that can, you know, cause some challenges during that process, so you know, it's about balance. Just like you said, it's not too tight, not too, too weak, but it's really just about balancing what we're doing with lengthening and strengthening. Mm, you need those Goldilocks, Goldilocks perineum muscles. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> just right. right. Um, all this talk about the pain also reminded me, like one of the tricks that I tell, because I look at it physiologically, I have this beautiful, beautiful birth atlas that shows me side views of the pregnant you know, belly and body and, and uh, as baby comes out and pushes, but you can see the bladder and how mm. it gets, it's a squished pancake yes. <laughs> with baby. So one of the things that I like to also, the, the, you know, this talk reminded me of, is it can be helpful to when you sit down to pee and this relaxation, like just lift your belly up, like hold it up with your hands just to eliminate lift the like baby and placenta and all of that off your bladder so that it's not being pinched so that it can help eliminate everything easier. That's a great tip. That's and sometimes even women, you know, that's a great tip to kind of lift their bellies. I actually um have them in their later trimesters wear a an abdominal support um, because we kind of want to just give them any additional support to that belly to kind of offload how much um, is kind of on the lower the lower pelvic cavity as well. So that's something I also do proactively with moms is I think there's a lot of things we just think we have to suffer through the aches and pains of pregnancy, but there are some things that you can do to help um, 
prevent those things and even treat them if they happen. And that's a great tip that you have. I might start using that myself. <laughs> mm, and especially during like during labor itself, lift your belly because um, urine is not compress- compressible. And that's, you know, high stakes real estate. You want every, every little <laughs> millimeter of availability. That's um, a great way to think about it. That's so right. With Mother's Day coming up fast, are you looking to get your mom, grandma, or mother figure a gift that they'll actually love? You know, something that is treasured instead of dying out or collecting dust? If so, you need to know about mylifeinabook.com, which is a service that helps turn their life stories into a beautiful book that can be passed down. How amazing is that? And the process couldn't be easier. Basically, if they can use email, they can create their book. Every week, My Life in a Book will send them an email with a prompt question to get them started. And if they don't like the question, they can easily edit it or change it. We gave a My Life in a Book to a family member that always wants to document all family get-togethers through images. And let me tell you, the process of sending the gift was super simple, even letting us choose the date we wanted the gift to be sent. I'm so looking forward to discovering stories about her youth, her adventures, and the challenges she has overcome. And since My Life in a Book lets you add an image with each answer, she can now share the story that goes along with her many photos. Another great thing is that the answers can be edited at any time before the book is printed, in case she wants to add anything else. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use the code BIRTHFUL at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 10% off today. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You've taken gorgeous photos of your baby or your kids, and then when you want to share them, it is a pain either trying to find the photos or figuring out the group text that they should go to, and then also remembering that, say, Aunt Helen only does email, so you need to send her image separately. Or like in my case, where my husband is a photographer who takes magnificent photos that I rarely actually get to see because they live on his phone or end up scattered in text messages that I can't easily find. Enter the Family Album app, which was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with your loved ones. Basically, it's a personal space for your family's memories without third-party ads or unwanted eyes and with a bunch of fabulous features. It automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and easily see how your child has grown. And you can also order eight photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. The Family Album app also has unlimited storage. Plus, it's totally free. Yup, no more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by third-party ads. So, to all the parents out there still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, level up your family photo game for free and securely with the Family Album photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, all in one word, and download the app to start creating your shared photo legacy. 
So, and you mentioned the abdominal support, and I really want to talk about that, both pregnancy and postpartum, um, because I, yes, I have so many questions about that. But before we move there, is there anything else that you wanted to mention about normal pelvic function in terms of peeing, pooping, um, in terms of, you mentioned the sex, you mentioned using tampons. Yes. Um, And so I think that, thank you for bringing us back to that, because one thing I do, I think that I really hear a lot of from women and see a lot of in my clinic is, um, is, is pelvic pain. And it's more often pain with intercourse that um, either the first time someone has intercourse, um, they may experience pain and they think, oh, is this normal? Um, Or my friends, you know, say that it's painful. The same thing with kind of inserting tampons. If you know, any woman that comes in with a with some pelvic pain with intercourse or pelvic examinations from their doctors, I also ask them about painful tampon insertion because that can be our first indicator that maybe they they do have a a more challenging time relaxing their pelvic floor muscles to insert something. And you know, more specific to pregnancy and postpartum, that no pain is normal um, during pregnancy or postpartum. It can be common, but not normal. But particularly postpartum. You know, there can be scar tissue if there's been any vaginal tearing or an episiotomy. There can be vaginal dryness due to um, breastfeeding or nursing. Um, And so I really work a lot with um, women to help them do scar massage to their their perineal area, even to their, if they've had a cesarean birth, even do scar massage to their cesarean scar to help facilitate blood flow to the whole pelvic area. Working on relaxation of those muscles if they do have some tension, and just facilitating a lot of relaxation in the area before we just start doing our Kegels again. But no amount of pain is normal. And definitely working with a therapist or speaking with someone um, can help you know, them have a more pleasurable experience. I, I always think I don't want sex to be something we feel like we have to tolerate. I want it to be something that we feel like we enjoy. So you know, if there's pain, that's not enjoyable. So I definitely recommend women to get some some help and support from a therapist if that's the case. And I think it's important to mention that at any time, like, and, and you're saying at this as well, time. like not postpartum, but at any time. So if you're already you have had a history of these things that we're talking about and, and have like, you know, sex is painful to you or inserting a tampon, a tampon is painful or you suffer from a lot of UTIs and you're pregnant, then yes. even more so you might want to definitely reach out to a uh, pelvic PT to try to, there's so much that's going to happen with your pelvis in your journey right. to having a baby that, you know, kind of get it to that Goldilocks position to that just right, eliminate things that is may make it harder than for your birthing and recovery. That's a great point. And so really encouraging women to come in during pregnancy to even help prepare for that, that childbirth. I, I think we kind of go in thinking, you know, oh, I'm just going to kind of leave it up to my doctor or my midwife or whatever. But I think the more education we have, the more awareness we have of our muscles, the more um, we've we've really educated and, and uh, empowered ourselves to have a really um, some, you know, kind of what we want our bodies to do can really benefit us. So definitely if you have that history, even if you're curious, if you have that history of tension, I would say go in, work with a therapist. Um, I work a lot with doulas and we kind of, you know, really collaborate to to facilitate what's best for those patients to to give them a good childbirth experience. So when somebody goes in, say for during pregnancy, for a just to see where they're at and create a, a plan of moving forward, like what can they expect? What does that 
visit look like? So um, typically I'll have them come in and we'll sit down and chat for a little while. I just want to get a really good history about um, if they've had previous childbirths, um, um, previous pregnancies, any issues that they've had. I always say I'm going to ask everybody about peeing, pooping, and sex because I want to see if there's any type of other dysfunction going on that we need to address. Um, and then I, I, I first start by just looking at them. I look how they're sitting. I look how they're standing and walking. I check their pelvic alignment and standing, which means I just want to make sure everything's level. Often during pregnancy, we can get a little shift of our pelvic bones, which can lead to um, some sacroiliac joint dysfunction or pain, pubic symphysis pain, sciatica. So I want to make sure that pelvis is in really good alignment because we know our ligaments are getting relaxed and things can soften and move around. And then I also, um, I check for their abdominal wall for a diastasis recti, which is an abdominal separation down the midline. Um, that just gives me an idea of, you know, where we need to start with respect to exercise, educating them a lot on how to get out of bed, how to get off the floor, how to put on their socks and shoes, just day-to-day things that are changing because their muscles and their structure are changing. And then um, depending on where they are in their pregnancy or um, if they feel comfortable, sometimes we do do an intravaginal assessment, which means I'll, um, uh, I'll have them lie on their backs. Um, they'll be undressed from the waist down with a sheet covering, kind of like when you're at the doctor, but it's a little more relaxed. Your feet aren't in stirrups or anything. But then I do um, test their muscles internally to see how strong their pelvic floor contraction is, which is what we call a Kegel, how well they relax their muscles, how well they can push or bear down during a bowel movement if they're you know, planning for a vaginal birth. So really just looking at how their muscles are outside and inside, and then using that information to develop a plan for them. It could be a strengthening plan. It could be a relaxation plan. Um, there's kind of a, I can offer um, different pregnancy supports that they may want to buy or purchase to help, you know, make them more comfortable, things like that. So about the posture, when you, like when you said that you just look at them first and see how they're doing, that's, that also fascinates me. Like what, how should people carry themselves during pregnancy <laughs> um, as best they can really because, you know, right yeah um, I remember for years I was you know working with women like you should walk every day and you should do this and then once you're pregnant you're like I'm just lucky if I make it through the day Sarah you know and then so um, but you know what I really do recommend is um, I do recommend different supports um, during the the different trimesters. So in the second trimester, sometimes I recommend um, a little um, brace to kind of keep the pelvis together to secure the pubic the pubic symphysis and the sacroiliac joints. That's typically a time where you have a little more laxity and movement. During the last trimester, I may recommend an, an abdominal support um, or even what's like a vaginal compression device because sometimes we get that swelling or heaviness in the vagina at the end of the day because of all the blood flow. So just things to help make them more comfortable. Is that like a band the third for the third trimester? It's like a jock strap for your vagina. <laughs> it's like they're two different pieces. One is a, like a, an, a a belly band, but it's it's um got a support that goes underneath the abdomen to kind of help lift up the abdomen, as you mentioned before. And the other one's like a tight pair of underwear that really puts compression up on the vagina, so that they just get a little more support because we typically experience swelling or just pressure. People feel like, oh, it's, he's so low or the baby's so low. And so just giving them a little vaginal support because their muscles are more lengthened and relaxed during that, that last stage. And one of the things that I'm always curious about with any type of support is 
you know, do you, is that support going to help you or is it going to also, especially postpartum, you know, crutch, create a crutch right. for those muscles? So tell me right. more about that. So it's really, you know, I get that question a lot and it's so individualized and that's even during pregnancy. Like I recommend these things, but if somebody's um, baby is breech or transverse, we may not use that support because maybe that baby needs more room. Maybe we need to do some lengthening to the uterosacral ligaments or, so it's all individualized. Um, but these are kind of general recommendations. Postpartum, I'm not, I don't say that everybody needs a support band because I don't think that that's the case. And I think that some bands can cause too much compression on the abdomen and it actually can make it feel like there are things squishing out the bottom. So I think if you have a tube of toothpaste and you kind of grab it in the middle of the tube, what happens is the toothpaste comes out of the opening, right? And that's what can happen to kind of the pelvic cavity is that if we put too much tension on the abdominals, the pelvic floor doesn't have the support it needs and it's got more pressure now. So it can actually work against us. Um, if someone has, you know, multiples, maybe twins or triplets, they may need some abdominal support. Um, if somebody has a large diastasis or even a hernia, they may need some abdominal support. But I don't just blanket say everybody needs to have a belly band. And there are some that I really prefer because they're softer and more movable. And there are some that are just too rigid. And I think that they um, are not practical or comfortable either. So um, they can be helpful, but then they can also be harmful. So it's not a yes for everybody. And with your question about, is it a crutch? You know, it can be. I think that with anything, if we, we want to use these um, supports to help make us functional because we've got kids we need to lift, we've got car seats we need to carry, um, we want to be able to maybe start walking and, and feel like we're not just falling apart. But at the same time, that shouldn't stop someone from doing the things they need to kind of the things they need to do to regain strength, working on their um, abdominals and pelvic floor and kind of really getting that function back with muscle work um, and strengthening versus just where that support all the time and they don't have to worry about anything. So yes, you're, you're right. Awesome. Um, and it, there is a whole tradition uh, culturally, right, of belly band, uh, yes. belly wrapping and all that. And so yes. your thoughts on that are similar to uh, what you just said. Yes, it is. It's not a blanket for everyone. You know, I think that it can be helpful for some women. I think it, if it's too tight, it can actually cause pressure down on the pelvic floor. You know, like I said, just think of this, like if you've got too much pressure in the middle, it can cause things to kind of go out the bottom. And that's after birth, it's such a tender time. There's just a lot of lengthening and weakness down there. So we really need to support from the bottom up versus just from the middle. And so, um, and I also think that, you know, I want women to be functional, but I, I'm less worried about this kind of quote unquote, getting your body back. Oh, please. I know. <laughs> I've got I know. A, for that one, I have to roll my eyes because it's one of those cultural things that's hurting us so much. It's hurting us so much. And I think that we just, one, have these unrealistic expectations of what to expect from our bodies. And two, and we're so hard on ourselves. And two, we're, it's not about getting your body back because things will never be the same in our lives. You know, I, I think we really have to pass through this season that we're in of recovery and easing into motherhood and that we're new people and we have a new person in our lives. And it's really a transformation versus an attachment to what we used to be and what we used to have. And I think that once we can 
kind of really start accepting that that's when things healing really occurs versus this kind of attachment to like what we used to have and we need to get it back, which is a natural thing. But I think that I would love to see more focus on, in, on that versus like, you know, your one week postpartum picture and you've got a flat belly, like that doesn't, there's no race, there's no prize, there's no, <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure what we're all racing back for, you know? Well, and I think it just goes back to what we were talking originally about this cloud of not understanding our pelvic floor and how that is the structural pivotal you know, base of our movement and life and long time health, like our cores, right? We talk about our cores and cores and how we need to have a healthy core. And I, I, I go back to that Goldilocks thing of not just just a tight core, but a functional core, because it's holding in our all our muscles and our, our, I mean, all our organs, and is what creates movement. So if you like quickly went back to having a flat, but like it took nine months to get there. And then you push the baby out or baby came out you know through your your abdominal wall um either way that core had so much structural shift that if you go too quickly you're gonna injure yourself that's exactly right and i i always tell my patients you can't run a marathon before you you can walk a mile and afterwards we just need a move you know it's just really just about movement and healing and, and not just physical healing but emotional healing and psychological healing and I think there's just so much focus on the physical. And I have to admit, I mean, with my first birth, I was like, I want to get back. And I'm, you know, was in the gym a month later. And I look back and I'm like, what was I doing? You know, I mean, that was just such a tender time that I kind of robbed myself of because I was just so anxious to kind of get my life back. But you don't, you realize your life will never be back the way that it used to. It's it's different and it's richer in other ways. And Mm. so, um, yes, that's absolutely that's absolutely right. And you can do a lot of damage. And I think that that's what I see is a lot of women going back to, to too, too aggressive of workouts too soon, or they're, they don't, um, they are not ready to do certain workouts and they're kind of pushing through pain or urinary leakage, you know, but I don't, um, I don't necessarily blame the women. I think that we have such little education about how to rehabilitate ourselves and we have such little support. You know, we get a 10 minute visit with a physician, maybe, Um, Research shows that 40% of women don't even attend their postpartum visits. So how are we supposed to know what to do and what's okay? And, you know, when they, they, we do see our doctors, it's an exam and they say, all looks good. You can start having sex and working out. And that's what the focus is on is sex and working out um, versus there's so much more that really needs to be, be occurring to support women through this transformation. And so I'm, I, you know, I hope that in my lifetime, I see every woman getting physical therapy after birth. I hope that they are getting it during pregnancy to help with pregnancy and prepare for childbirth because, you know, we have these unrealistic expectations as a society about how women are supposed to be functioning. Mm, absolutely. No, and I agree. It's just we don't know, right? And and that's why I'm so passionate about sharing this information, and as you are, um, because we're really hurting ourselves, both mentally and physically and emotionally and all the things by not giving ourselves the time needed to the and the grace needed to 
understand this new transformation that we're going through and, and, and figuring out our babies and figuring our new identity as a parent, like going from an individual to a parent, that's huge. Mom, huge. Used, you know, used to always be mom. Now it's you. What does that I was like? Ah. <laughs> it's an internal earthquake. It's ridiculous. That's a great, that's a great analogy. It is an internal earthquake. You know, but I, what's really wonderful, Adriana, is I see it changing. Mm-hmm. Over the past 10 years of pelvic health, like you said, I see there's so many more pelvic health physical therapists in this field. Women are now knowing pelvic health physical therapy. It's a thing. I can get it. I want it. They're asking for it. It's just really incredible to see women taking that step to be advocates for themselves instead of, you know, just waiting on a doctor to send them or waiting for something to go wrong and then and then asking for it or, you know, or going to their doctor and their doctor's like, oh, you know, you don't really need it. And it's not really just up to them to decide. So I really see such an incredible transformation happening right now of women advocating for themselves, getting the resources that they need, sharing that with their friends. And just, um, I think it all kind of goes along with the whole movement that's going on as a, as a society and culture about kind of women coming out of this, the shadows no. and really starting to, you know, um, take care of themselves and, I, and not be victims. I totally agree. And so, the pushing, I know that the timing, we're getting to the end, but let's talk briefly about pushing and postpartum recovery, especially the pushing. Like, what are some of the things that people need to consider when, um, for say, if they have a tear or if there's, you mentioned briefly of like having directed pushing where you're holding your breath. Like, what do you tell people when they're going into um, preparing for for pushing? to breathe. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just to kind of fall back on our natural physiological, most important, one of the most important processes we have um, is to breathe. So there's two things with birth is that one, I think that there's a misconception that we have to birth on our backs. Um, I think that that's what we see women birth in when we see television shows. I think that that's what we if, you know, what the most traditional position is if they're in the hospital, but we don't. I mean, there are different positions that you can birth in, even if you do have medication. Sideline is a wonderful position, even hands and knees. Um, so there's just a lot of options, and that can really help facilitate, um, you know, the, the descent of the baby in the, in the um, vaginal canal in the birth canal. And then also the urge to push becomes kind of more natural because you've got a pressure on that area. So you don't feel like you're really kind of not sure what you're doing. So it be, you have to push even less if you get that, that natural pressure and, um, and sensation. And then when we are pushing, you know, I do encourage women to breathe. I tell them to exhale like they're blowing out birthday candles. When we exhale, we really allow some of that pressure out of our abdominal cavity instead of just forcing everything down, which is what leads to hemorrhoids and pelvic organ prolapse. So, you know, they can push and bear down, but they need to to breathe and exhale as they do that. Just like they poop. I say having a baby is like taking the big dump. You need Mm. to just... (laughs) Oh, absolutely. So much. Yeah. And and uh, taking it back to the poop analogy, I um I take it even one further and go, you know, like if the urge to push, some people go like, oh, yeah, I think I feel like pushing. I'm like, well, no, it's if you're questioning if you think you have or no, you're not. It's the same thing like when you're the, the oh, I could poop and I could go and it could take a long time versus if I don't make it to this. I like I've got, <laughs> that's it's you. I can't but poop. It's I can't but push. That's the moment you want to get to. Right. You're you're so right. And that's why I think women are spending hours pushing when it's really like they're not ready, you know, like that that they're, 
that's too soon. And so that they're there and they're holding their breath and pushing for hours. So they get worn out, their pelvic floor gets blown out, you know? And so it's really, it's really waiting to the right time. And that's why I'm a huge, I mean, one of the number one things I tell women is to have a doula. Like, I mean, it's just, you need a support person. This is your first rodeo for most of the time. If not, then you, you, even if it's your second, I had a doula for my first and my second birth. And I, and I'm in this field and I'm like, I need support. I need guidance. And I leaned on my doula to, to coach me through when I was in those times. Um, so I, I'm just a huge fan because they can help support you. They can be whispering in your ear to breathe. They can be kind of giving you that guidance and support you need that you may not be getting from, you know, the, the, the other medical staff around you. Mm. And then I think for postpartum where we might have you come back and, and talk about this, but I think for, for, you know, I wish we could do stuff in this case, like they do in France, where every single birthing person gets automatic PT as part of pelvic PT as part of their postpartum health checkup and recovery. Yes. Um, yes. So you know, let's start demanding that from our, from our, from everybody we know, our care providers and our legislators. But also, what, like I would say, and maybe I'm sure you agree with this, that one of the things that I would like to see is for every pregnant person to set up a pelvic PT, one at least one after giving birth. So absolutely, it would be wonderful for women to have. Yeah, just one postpartum follow-up, I feel like would be progress. Um, it would just really be a great way to kind of facilitate moms in their recovery. And I do a lot of online sessions as well with women because we know that making a doctor's appointment is really difficult after you've had kids. So even just the availability of a therapist, um, whether it's a phone call or a video call to say, you know, hey, I've got this abdominal separation. How do I pick up my kids? Or you know, um, sorry about that. Um, so, Hey, I had this abdominal separation. It's, it's painful to pick up my kids or, um, you know, I've got hemorrhoids. What can I do about that? So just a variety of things that we can be helpful that we don't always think of physical therapy for so much. And uh, yeah, I, there's, uh, we're going to have you back. Cause I want to talk, like have a whole one on postpartum. We did this whole one on, on pregnancy and pushing, <laughs> um, Sarah, if people want to reach out to you and, and connect, how can they do that? Um, so you can find me online. I have a website called uh, The Vag Whisper, V-A-G, thevagwhisper.com. And I've got some blogs on there and information about um, online sessions. And then my most popular way is Instagram. Uh, my Instagram name is at the period vagina period whisperer. So I just post tons of tips on there to help support women, um, not even just pregnancy and postpartum, just throughout the lifespan about just how we can better care for ourselves and a lot of pelvic health stuff. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much for being here on the show today. Thank you, Adriana. Mighty Ones, find the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about me, the show, send me messages, and more. This episode is produced by me and made possible by you. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. Oh, and when I reached out to Sarah to see what she had for breakfast recently, she said she had a banana and a cup of green tea for breakfast. She usually has coffee, but they were out. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to a mighty parent as they share their amazing story here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. This episode is copyright 2020 by Adriana Lozada.